Hello, dear readers, friends, listeners. This is Alexander Semenyuk, and today I will be doing a reading of my novella, Mystery Geist, for you. Mystery Geist. Before the story begins, I'd like to make a dedication. I dedicate this book to all of the children, pure, innocent children, who are suffering in this world. May this book carry the energy of my prayers for you, my love for you, my tears for you. God is with you and God loves you very much. I'd also like to thank Hermione Lee for creating a wonderful cover for me. And finally, a huge thanks to my editor, Carrie Clark. Let's begin. Mystery Geist. I sing because I'm happy. I sing because I'm free. For his eyes, he's on the sparrow and I know he watches me. Chapter 1, The Rescue Old Smith rocked in his brown chair, which was even older than he. He had his pipe in his teeth, and through the window of the lighthouse lighthouse keeper's house, he watched the waves rock in a similar pattern. On a small round wooden table stood his cognac. These were things a lonely old lighthouse keeper only did on Friday nights the only night of the week when his young assistant took the night shift. The pipe and the drink were not addictions, but rare treats in his life. His addiction was to negative thoughts of the lonely life he has led since losing his family in the shipwreck many years ago on this very island. He never wanted another companion, but missed his family every day, and every day he prayed to God to keep carrying on whatever plan was set out for him. As he sat there on his peculiar, on this peculiar night in which he enjoyed the brilliance of a magnificent purple moon, he suddenly saw a silhouette of a person wash up on the shore. Old Smith rose to his feet and yelled to his young assistant, Peter. Peter came running down in a clumsy fashion, as usual. He looked like a deer caught in a headlight standing there in front of Old Smith with his giant ears, big teeth, and worried large eyes. There, Peter. Someone on the shore. Get him before it's too late. Peter threw on a gray raincoat and ran out of the keeper's lighthouse. House. Slipping and sliding down the rocks and wet sand, he got to the shore in a hurry. And before the man could be washed away, he pulled and dragged him to the rocks on the side. There, Peter took a quick break. Then, with great focus, fear of failing his mentor, and determination, he lifted the man, who thankfully was rather small and light, and carried him up to the house. Each step towards the lighthouse was painful as Peter focused not only on carrying the soaked man, but also not slipping in the mud and rain. Felt like forever. Even though it was probably just five minutes. Huffing and puffing, Peter brought the man to the door, which was wide open, with Smith anxiously standing there. And a tall gray hound dog, Rufus, sat there as well, tilting his head with a curious expression. Over there, Smith pointed towards the couch. With a loud thud, Peter dropped the stranger on it. His body bounced up for a moment. Smith's mouth opened wide as Rufus backed up a little with a concerned look. What in God's name? 
Sorry, sir, just exhausted. Oh, boy, oh, boy. I know when you were my age, you could swing a whale around for hours and just laugh about it. Oh, you. I won't take that disrespect. You get him dry clothes now and a towel and a blanket. It'll be your clothes. Peter regretted talking back instantly as he rushed to complete these tasks. Smith sank into the soft chair close to the couch. Watching the unconscious stranger, middle-aged man with short blonde hair, green pants, and a plain white shirt. He looked like he had a large bruise on his skull, possibly trauma from a shipwreck. There were no doctors around here. Smith, Smith fervently hoped it wasn't a fatal injury. Smith poured more cognac. Tonight would be an exception to how much he normally consumed, as he had to calm his nerves more. Perhaps he really was too old for this sort of job and stress. Suddenly, the stranger coughed and his head bounced up. Peter appeared with the clothes and rushed to him. Startled, Smith spilled the cognac on his pants, and a large dog tilted his head to the left side, looking curious and alarmed. Peter got the stranger's wet shirt and pants off, wrapped the blanket around him, and placed his head on a pillow. Still out. Yeah, maybe get pneumonia. The coughing sounded bad already. But alive. Yes, Peter. Sit on that chair. Listen. Peter situated himself across from Smith. Rufus walked over the stranger and began to sniff. Smith waved his hand. Off, Rufus. Go sit in by the couch. Rufus almost jumped up in fear and quickly sat by the couch, staring at the wall in front of him, unmoving. That's a good boy. Now, Peter, it's still the only night I have to rest. I'll stay down here with the stranger, but I'll try to sleep too. You have your duties with the lighthouse, all right? You sure? What else are we going to do? Peter realized the situation. The closest village was many miles away. He nodded and rose to turn the light. He went outside and looked out at the uneasy ocean. Above him, the light spun around in a perfect motion, but he needed to be up there to make sure all was right, to bring the kerosene, to cut the rope properly. A mistake could cause death for those out in the sea. It was no laughing matter. As he turned to go back into the lighthouse, he slipped and fell on his backside. That was no laughing matter either. Peter went into the shed and pulled out a heavy kerosene barrel. As he thought about how tough it was to carry it up, he sighed deeply. Why am I not married with a kid? He knew the answer to this all too well. A rhetorical question for an impotent man. He shook his head and dragged the barrel to the main door of the white lighthouse. At least it's not the tallest. Yes, look on the bright side, Peter. Up you go. And so he went, struggling, cursing, sweating, stumbling. The young man sure could have used more strength. Nevertheless, he made it, as he had in the previous weeks. Congrats, Peter. Now catch your breath and get back to work.
And so he did, diligently performing his tasks, just as respectful Smith had taught him. From time to time he paused to look at the moon, a beauty, his only mistress, his only love. Work, focus, Peter finished his task and said below the light. It was a strange job, the night shift. How did the old man handle it? He had to stay awake all night, alert, paying attention. Peter did enjoy looking out into the ocean, but the powerful light made it hard to observe properly from above, and he dared not to go down. Smith gave strict orders. Do not leave your post. Do not leave to go downstairs unless it's urgent and job-related. When you do piss is not urgent, learn to remember to bring a bottle for that. Yes, Peter had a bottle all right. He laughed. Truly, thank God he mostly had day shifts. It was hard work, but he loved sleeping at night too much. He could never even nap during the day, no matter how exhausted he was. As Peter sat there by the beautiful guiding light, below the stranger Smith and Rufus were all creating an annoying chorus of various snores. Luckily, there were no victims to be tortured by the sound, uh, sound around them. And so they awaited morning, as it was coming, patiently, carefully. <clears throat> Chapter 2 The First Day Where am I? The man's eyes were half open, looking around the room slowly. His vision was slightly blurry. The tremendous pain in his body slowly kicked in as he grimaced. He's awake! Smith heard Peter and came to the couch. You should go rest, Peter. I'll take it from here. The younger man shook his head. No, sir. I'll be okay. Don't be stubborn. Please, let me do extra work today. I want to learn to be strong like you. His large eyes pleaded with Smith. I'm not that strong. Okay. Fetch some water then, I'll sit him up. Peter almost tripped over Rufus who was standing behind him, looking at a stranger with concern. Come on, dog. Rufus looked offended at being called a dog, but he moved aside and sat down. Old Smith helped the man s slowly sit up. A traveler was obviously in pain. He had no way of assessing the stranger's injuries, however. Once he had the man in a sitting position, Smith pulled up a chair closer to the couch and sat in it. Do you understand English? He gently inquired. The man looked up at him, his eyes dull with pain. He did understand, but replied with a thick accent. Not being a man of the world, Smith had no clue what the accent was. Yes, English nodded the stranger i am smith and you are on an island just off the mainland what is your name stranger sat there for a minute then he stared right at smith looking startled smith could see great confusion in the blue depth of his eyes you don't know stranger shook his head it's the bruise on your head you lost some memory what do you remember last? The man grabbed his head, indicating pain. 
Peter appeared with water and bread. Here, here, don't think for now. Drink water, eat. We can get you coffee later. I will step out for a moment here with Peter. You relax. Thank you, the man said gratefully, accepting the bread and glass. He took a small bite of the slice of bread and a sip of water. Smith and Peter stepped outside for a quick discussion about the situation. So what now, sir? Peter hopped slightly from one foot to the other. Smith shrugged. Well, we take care of him until he remembers. What if he doesn't? Peter asked anxiously, stuffing his hands into his pants pockets. I'm not sure. We'd best take it day by day. Peter nodded. You should rest soon. You have night shift back again. I'll sleep a little less while he's here. It's not a good idea. I can handle taking care of him. Or maybe let me do more night shifts. Smith pondered the offer for a minute. You can do more night shifts on the weekends. I'm not worried about sleep. My time is coming soon anyway. A look of panic briefly crossed Peter's face. I need you here, sir. You only need God, Peter. It's good to have a friend, especially family. But to live, you only need God. Peter frowned. I don't understand. You said you are in pain every day missing your family. Smith's smile was van. Yes, but I'm living, still living. And to do that, when in so much pain, we must have trust in God. He patted Peter on the shoulder. You're doing very well. Now let's go in there and take care of him gently. Don't ask too much yet. It might strain his mind too much. They walked back and saw that the stranger had finished the food. He looked up at them slowly and nodded in gratitude. They sat in the chairs not far from him. However, Smith had suggested no questions followed. Smith simply offered the man more rest and then took the newspaper. He, he was brought once a month and began to read it for the fourth time. Peter held a wooden puzzle, trying to fit pieces into the correct positions. I... The stranger began to speak with difficulty. They both quickly moved their eyes towards him. I remember a field, green grass, a child. I think it's me. He stopped. His gaze was fixed on the window. Concerned Smith, that was the first memory coming back so distant. Childhood? Perhaps he was wrong and it was a good thing. He certainly was no expert. Stranger leaned back and now stared at the ceiling. His thoughts slowly drifting away, becoming soft, floating like clouds. His eyes shot and he was asleep. Peter, you go sleep also, Smith ordered. Peter realized that he had agreed to take more weekend night shifts. He rose. Okay, I'll rest a bit. Do you need any help before I do? Smith shook his head. No, I'll gather some food and make a soup for us. Bring up some fresh water. 
Mary's coming tomorrow with a dairy, right? More importantly, Jackson is bringing me my monthly newspaper, Smith said, and a bit grimly. Peter left and went to the back of the house into his little room where, where a small bed was attached to the wall. He closed the door and then pulled the thick black curtain over the only tiny window, which looked out into the sea. Then he curled up into the bed, thinking about God and his misfortune. Meanwhile, Smith covered a stranger with a thin blanket and went into the kitchen. Rufus eagerly followed. There, there, Rufus. You want some old ham, I bet. Rufus tilted his head and came closer. Smith threw him exactly what he mentioned. Instead of gobbling it, it right right there, the big dog took it in, into the mouth and ran out of the house with it. Funny, Rufus, he always did that, as if someone was about to rip it out of his jaws and wouldn't allow him the pleasure of eating it. Smith smiled and shook his head. It's these moments in life that still brought him some energy. So what kind of soup? They had fish, onions, salt, and pepper. Well, that'll have to do for today. He began doing the magic, or so he thought. Peter was having dreams, dreams of being with a woman in a way he couldn't in real life. On the stranger, he was dreaming of a dark place, a place with pain and suffering, a place filled with memories, which perhaps were best forgotten. Chapter 3. Dinner. Wake up! A knock sounded on the door. The knock invaded Peter's incredible dream, in which a woman loved him, where he was normal. His eyes opened slowly. Then when he was brought back to reality, he quickly sat up. His heart pounded hard as he became worried that it was past the proper time. Is it my shift? I'm so sorry, he called out, scratching his head. Smith's vo voice came through the door. No, no, young man. It will be soon, but for now it's dinner time. Come on, we are waiting in the main room. Got the fireplace going. When the darkness comes, you will go up there. It was good to hear old Smith's calm voice. Was a stranger up? Peter guessed he was about to find out. Peter got dressed for his shift and strolled down the hallway, already smelling the soup. As he entered the room, a peculiar picture appeared in front of his eyes. Rufus was laying by the fireplace, stretched out. That made sense. He never took interest in stews or soups. At the head of the table sat the stranger. He, seems to, he seemed to be fully aware of his surroundings now. And Smith was finishing putting full balls on the table. Sit, sit, the prayer first. Peter quickly sat on the right side of the table, clenched his hands together, lowered his head, closed his eyes. Smith began to pray. Oh, dear Father, he began taking a deep breath. Forgive our sins against you. We humbly come to you once again, knowing that we are weak and foolish. We have immense pain. We struggle so much. Allow us to have enough strength to endure, and please bless our food. Amen. Peter loved hearing Smith pray. Smith's voice always slightly trembled, and he usually had some tears in his eyes upon finishing. 
Peter could tell that the old man referred not only to himself a missing family, but to Peter's sorrow as well, and perhaps now the strangers. Speaking of whom, the man in the in the house looked a bit confused and lost. As Peter and Smith began to eat the soup, the stranger looked up at them. I remember a church. Smith paused and looked at him, waiting to hear more. I do not remember my age, but I remember a church. A prayer? Similar to yours? I think so. Smith asked, what else? Colors of the windows, green, red, blue, a face there. Stranger's face became very grim. I feel sadness, such sadness remembering this pain in my chest. Why don't you eat the soup? Then we can talk more. It'll be good for you. Smith barely looked up from his own meal. The stranger nodded and picked up his spoon again. Peter was almost done with his bowl. This is good, sir. Very good. Good, he said to Smith. Ah, just a simple soup. Simple is good. Salty on the taste of pepper. It always adds a good kick. Glad you liked it, like a young man. Are you sure you're ready for this night shift again? Back to back? I am. Smith looked at the stranger again. The man was nearly finished eating slowly. Mister, listen. I'll need to rest part of this night and we'll get up early in the morning. Are you all right sleeping alone for the first half? In the living room? Yes, of course. Thank you. I'll be okay. I won't wander. I need rest. Maybe I can remember more. Like my name. Smith smiled. That would be wonderful. And he threw a bit of meat towards Rufus, who caught it and gobbled it up. Then went right back into his stretched-up position by the fireplace. Smith cleaned up the plates, and Peter had already gone out to prepare the lighthouse light for its important nighttime duty. Smith led the stranger towards the couch again and gave him another blanket. I'll see you later. Good night. Thank you, Smith. Stranger stretched out on the couch and covered himself. It was starting to get cold. He was trying hard to remember, and the harder he tried, the more painful his headache became. He relaxed his neck and jaw and decided to allow himself to drift away. Perhaps his dreams, his dreams he would remember something. Chapter 4 A Mysterious Fog Peter sat at the top balcony of the lighthouse. The light was properly shining with its guiding magnificence. There was a mystery to it, a magnetism of some sort. Peter could understand now more deeply why Old Smith preferred the night shift. Up here, with the wind, the light, the dark ocean waves, one's internal pain seemed distant. Some were far away in the strange horizon, barely known to him. Sitting up here, watching the stars above him, one of God's glorious creations, 
He felt like a full man, a man who had no troubles, a man who could be loved by a woman, a man that could give love. Time went by and Peter's mind wandered the whole night, fully enchanted. When dawn broke, he had drifted away into half-sleep. Therefore, at first, he vaguely thought that the great nothingness outside his window was just in his mind. However, as he snapped back to full senses and splashed some cold water on his face, he realized that the whole island was covered by a tight veil of incredibly dense fog. He couldn't even see the ocean water. He frantically began to descend the steps of the lighthouse to go and get Smith. However, not surprisingly, the old keeper was already awake and standing at the bottom of the lighthouse. Incredible fog, isn't it, Peter? You okay? Yes, just... Smith smiled with a gentle ghost of a smile. You are very tired. You're not used to back-to-back overnights. You go lie down. I'll turn to the lighthouse. I also find time to check on the guest. I wonder if we will get our dairy and newspaper today. I hope so. Should I stay up and watch for them? You'll handle it? Yes, I'll relax in the chair at the house and will face the window. That way I'll see them when they are close. Not in this fog, Smith said wryly. Oh well, I'll be there when they knock. I'll check on our men too. Fine work, Peter. You're becoming a great keeper. Peter held his head up a bit more proudly. The words gave him much needed encouragement and a new boost of energy as he quickly walked into the house, while Smith headed up into the lighthouse. Peter found Rufus sleeping by the fireplace, which was of course cold by now. The stranger was still lying on the couch, actually awake, but looking up at the ceiling with a distant gaze. Peter decided not to bother him and pulled up a chair closer to the door. There he began to wait. This was the thickest fog he had ever seen. He wished for Mary's safety. Every time he thought of her, his heart rate elevated. How he wished, how he prayed for a miracle. Peter rocked in the chair ever so slightly, trying to let go of those thoughts and to focus on the praise that Smith had given him. On then, there indeed was a knock on the door and he heard Jackson's voice. Hey, crazy fo- fog out there. You all okay? Peter opened the door. Right behind him, Jackson stood Mary, who smiled at him. Please come in. It must have been tough getting here today. They came in and sat at the table. Both Mary and Jackson looked over at the man on the couch with puzzled expressions. Peter spoke quietly. We rescued him. Shipwreck, probably. He can't remember. Jackson was old, but not quite as far along as Smith. His thick beard wasn't all gray yet, and he seemed proud of the black sections that remained. Mary was only in her early 20s, just a bit younger than Peter. She had long black hair and large brown eyes, which Peter couldn't get enough of each time he saw her. So, Peter, there's still there's a little bit less dairy this time. We had a tougher few weeks than usual, she said apologetically. It's not a problem, Mary. We always have enough. Now you have one more, she said, looking over at the stranger on the couch. Jackson nodded towards the couch. You want me to take him into town? 
Peter thought for a moment. I think Smith would like to keep him here for now. He's a big, bit weak for travel. Well, Mary come, comes here more often than me. Change your mind, you let her know, and she will let me know. Sure, Peter nodded and risked a smile at Mary. Here's the newspaper for Smith. Jack Jackson slapped it on the table as Mary's set a bag of dairy products there as well. We're going to head back. Peter's heart sank. He had hoped to speak to Mary for longer. Can't you stay a bit, see if the fog lets up a little? He asked, hopefully. Jackson shook his head. This fog is not going away for a while. The trip back will take us longer than usual. You stay safe. Mary stood up after Jackson, but before leaving, she gave Peter a hug. Stunned, he watched them go out of the door and just stood there with it wide open. Are you all right? The stranger's voice brought him back to reality. He shut the door and turned around. Their guest was sitting up, and when he saw Peter's startled face, he smiled. Don't worry about me this morning. You go rest, young man. Peter brought the stranger some water, but took his advice as he was exhausted and some sleep was in order. This fog had taken Peter's, Peter's chance to spend more time with Mary. His disappointment drained him even more. Perhaps in his dreams he would see her. As Peter went to his room, the stranger slowly got up and walked to the window. He observed the fog with fascination, and then, to his own astonishment, he remembered his own name, or at least half of it. Chapter 5 New Old Memories Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, early in the morning our song shall rise to thee. Holy, 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 merciful and mighty, God in three persons, blessed Trinity. Holy, 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 all the saints adore thee, casting down their golden crowns around the glassy sea, cherubim and seraphim falling down before thee, who were and are and evermore shall be. On this day, Smith and Peter were going to switch shifts, so Peter's rest had to be cut short as he continued with the day shift after the old man woke him up just after noon. The fog had finally begun to clear. There was some glorious golden sunlight breaking through. As old Smith walked into the house, his plan was to feed the stranger and then rest up before the night shift. Rufus met him at the door, excited, but he wasn't the only one. The man was there as well, with almost the same look as the dog. My name is Geist. Smith grinned widely. Whoa, that's wonderful. Your memory's back. Geist shook his head with a wry smile. No, but I'm glad at least this I know. There's some blurry bits and pieces. Some nice, some frightening. I don't know what to make of them. Let's sit down and you tell me about them. I'll make you some coffee. Smith went to the kitchen. Mr. Geist rushed to the table, looking excited and distraught all at once. 
Smith was a kind man. Despite knowing he needed rest before the night, he chose to listen, to serve. He knew this wasn't important to this man. Smith stood in the small kitchen watching the waves as he had for so many years. He remembered a particular white boat he once owned and how he and his family enjoyed it, how they laughed, how they smiled. He caught himself smiling. And as the black coffee was brewing, he quickly wiped a small tear off his cheek. Right before exiting the kitchen with one mug of coffee, he turned around and poured himself one also. Oh well, rest good wait. Thank you, Smith. Guys put the coffee mug close to his nose and smiled. I also remember that I did like coffee. One of God's many blessings. So tell me, Mr. Geist. <clears throat> ah, bed or good first? Start with what's popping up in your head right now. Don't struggle. Smith leaned back in, in his chair, ready to listen. I, I hear child crying. Very deep sadness. There is heartbreak. Their faces filled with fear. Family? Is the child you? I don't know. However, I remember sitting by a small bridge as a teen, drinking fresh milk, and my father there. We are watching white geese swimming in the pond or river. Yes, a river. Small, narrow river, I suppose. The grass, I can see it in my head. It's so green. There is blue sky above. Yet, the sadness and the screams. The pain, someone's pain. This invades the good memories as well. Somehow I feel shame. Shame? Yes, and guilt. And you have no idea why? Just the feelings. Smith waited for a moment and said, God speaks to us this way. There is a moral compass inside of us placed by him. So you think I've done something that is shameful? Guys looked into Smith's eyes. I have no idea what you've done exactly. Well, we have all done something shameful. In fact, we do it all the time. Geist looked astonished. It can be so simple. Aren't some things worse than others? Of course. To destroy someone else's life, for example. To crush him knowingly. Snuff out his dreams and hopes. Smith shook his head. While that is a terrible thing, and I haven't done it, though my sins are not as great, it doesn't make me holy or better. Gives me no right to name myself as better, as good. The good that we have is God's. And the bad? That's from the worldliness, and from the fallen one, the devil. This is a bit confusing for me. My mind is so foggy. Guy sighed and he suddenly smiled, remembering the morning fog. Smith understood. 
Well, Mr. Geist, even that crazy fog cleared up. I bet yours will as well. What if it doesn't? Fear briefly crossed his face. Then it's meant to be that way. And I live where? What will I do? Geist spread his hands. Smith answered confidently. You have two hands, legs, a head. There's lots of work you can do in the town, or maybe even here. I'm getting old, you know, getting tired, but excited. Excited? To meet my family. Where? Guys was mystified. In the other world. Oh. Mr. Geist gazed out of the window with faraway look in his eyes. I wonder about my father and mother. I don't know if I even have a wife or children. Crazy, isn't it? Someone could be out there waiting for me and I have no idea. Have faith and hope. How is the coffee, by the way? Strong, bold flavor. That's how I like it, I I think. (laughs) Gaze chuckled. It's good that you can still laugh and smile. That's a good remedy. Mr. Geist changed the subject. Listen, do you need to rest? You're working tonight? Smith nodded. Indeed. I'll take more time tomorrow and we'll show you around the area. You do whatever you want meanwhile. If you need anything, just ask Peter. Don't force your mind. I think more memories will come. Chapter 6 The Little Church And so four more days flew by. Mr. Geist was well adjusted to the keeper's house and made friends with Rufus. Smith made his resting schedule shorter to spend time with Geist in hope of helping him remember. Geist had pain in the left knee, which hindered his walking, but after using an old remedy the smith knew, Geist finally felt the pain ease up, and the old keeper decided to take his guest on a longer walk by the shore to show him a spot that was special to him. It was a chilly morning, and, and Smith shared his green jacket with Geist. The old keeper took out his long brown walking cane and led the guests down the rocky path, which bordered the cliff. As they reached a higher elevation point, in the far distance there was a silhouette of a building. Smith raised his cane to point it out. That's where we are going. What is it? Old church, oldest in these parts. However, it's been abandoned. I walked there at least once a week. He turned to Guy and Guy's to, to smile. It has quite the special atmosphere. It's a good day for a walk. The air feels very fresh. It's most days here. It's a healthy place to live. Hmm. Guys looked thoughtful. Smith waved his cane. It can be healing out here in nature. I'm sure. Guys stopped for a moment and stared out into the ocean, watching the waves, which were bigger than usual. His eyes sparkled for a moment. Perhaps he remembered something else, but said nothing. 
You are doing all right, Mr. Geist. Yes, yes. The waves. I remember a storm. Men in uniforms. An explosion. He turned to Smith. I think that's how I got shipwrecked. Interesting, Smith nodded. You are remembering more and more. Being active is helping you. Smith waved him to keep following. We still have ways to go. All right. The cicadas and katydids played their funny yet lovely songs. Smith couldn't help but absorb it all with great joy, no matter how many times he went out into nature and listened. Every time it was magical, true magic, in which he felt God's presence. Every blade of grass, every tiny bug, each small song, all miracles. And this was yet another thing that kept him going and filled him with hope and faith, despite his tremendous loss. He believed with his whole being that he would see his family again, feel their absolute love, hug them in a celestial way, be with them forever in a warm cosmic light that only God can truly know. What are you thinking about, Smith? Guys asked. My facial expressions always betray me. He chuckled. He smiled several times, shook your head once, kept glancing over the grass and the bushes. Yes, I love nature. Even after so many years here and after all that has happened, I love it. It's a wonderful thing to know you are, Mr. Geist said a little wistfully. I know my place in the world. And you never felt tempted? By what? By anything? Smith shrugged. Oh, sure, we all feel some sort of temptations all the time, and we all give in sometimes. Temptation to be angry at someone, temptation to say a bad word about someone, temptation to lie, temptation to praise ourselves, or stupid pride. There are so many. If we could count our mistakes, it becomes scary. That's why we must rely on God. We are far too flawed. It's silly when some of us think we are perfect. I just want to remember. Then I can think about my own life. You already are. Your soul speaks to you. Has all of your memories. The brain is just part of the flesh. It'll die with the rest of the body. The true memories, celestial, pure, they carry on. I wish that were true, Guy said sadly. You don't believe it? I'm not sure what I believe. Smith nodded and made no further comment. The silhouette of the church was clear now, and Guy's could easily see the black cross on the top. Old Smith sat down on a big rock. The wind was picking up and blowing his jacket a little bit. I need a minute to sit, drink some water. We're almost there. Smith lifted a thermos to his lips. Of course. Guy sat next to him. At this moment, the clouds separated, and a beautiful army of long, radiant sun rays fell upon the tall and powerful ocean waves. 
It looked miraculous. Smith saw Guy's face change as the large smile appeared. Who is smiling now? They both laughed, pointing at the ocean. He is beautiful, so beautiful. Guy's eyes filled with tears. A few more precious moments passed and the clouds closed up again. The two men got up and continued along the path. The church was a white wooden building, very humble on the outside, with peeling paint and many parts of the walls. The dark roof had a few cracks and perhaps small holes. On top of the cross at the very top sat a crow, observing them as the smith pushed the door open. Guys somehow subconsciously expected an odd smell, an odor of some sort or mold. That could not be further from the truth. To his amazement, the church had a pleasant, faint scent of beeswax and perhaps something else he couldn't quite pinpoint. The air was slightly thick but comfortable. He stopped at the entrance and looked around. Old Smith slowly went over far left side of the church. He took several long white candles out of his pocket and placed them into the holders there. Then he went over to the right and did the same thing. This explained the smell. The floor was gray and wooden as guys took few steps forward and it creaked a bit. The long pews, four rows of them on each side, were faint blue color, also almost gray. Right down the middle, hanging on the wall, was a large white wooden cross, and behind it was a big window from which the ocean could be seen. It was simple, yet an incredible scene. Smith stood not far from the cross and beckoned guys to come closer and sit in one of the front pews. A man did just that, that. Smith followed by by taking an old-looking book from the brown wooden table that stood below the cross. This is an old hymn book. Smith smiled and turned the pages. Then he stopped at one of them. To Guy's surprise, Smith began to sing in a low voice, A mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing. Our helper he amid the flood of mortal ills prevailing. For still our ancient foe does seek the work us woe. His craft and power are great, and armed with cruel hate. On earth is not his equal. Did we in our own strength confide, our striving will be losing. Were not right men on our side, the man of God's own choosing. You ask who that may be. Christ Jesus, it is He, Lord Sabbath, His name, from age to age the same, and He must win the battle, and through His world with devils filled, should threaten to undo us. We will not fear, for God has willed His truth to triumph through us. The Prince of Darkness grim, we tremble not for Him, His rage we can endure, for lo, His doom is sure, one little word, Shall fell him at war, word above all earthly powers, no thanks to them abides. The spirit and the gifts are ours through him who with us sides. Let goods and kindred go, his mortal life also. The body they may kill, God truth abides still, his kingdom is forever. It wasn't very long, and despite Smith having a low, struggling, and raspy voice, Geist enjoyed it. 
Mr. Geist, when I was a child, this church, Smith spread his hands and turned full circle as if to glorify it and to show it. This church was active. I still hear the sermons of the last priest. I remember well how he spoke about forgiveness. How he spoke about dealing with loss. These teachings in the Gospels have carried me in recent years. Came back to me after the loss of my family. How to live with pain and still love God. Any that you remember about memory? Geist asked. He smiled, realizing how it formed how he had formed the question. Ah, memory. That's a good question. Suddenly, while looking at the cross, Geist remembered more. He saw a young boy in a striped suit. He was screaming, crying, begging. Geist suddenly hunched over, feeling immense emotional pain. Is that me? He choked out. What's wrong, Geist? Smith came over and sat next to him, placing his hand on Geist's upper back. I remember a child. So much horror, terror. I'm not sure I understand yet. I don't know. I don't think it's me. It'll come in due time. You have to get ready to deal with it, to pray, to ask for courage, strength. Geist nodded, but he was not going to pray. As he looked at the cross, a heavy sadness set in. It was unexplainable. Smith stood up again. This old church heard many stories of sorrow, loss, pain, tragedy. The very story of this community, a small town nearby, Earl burned to the ground. There was a terrible fire, unbelievable. I was one of the survivors. Guys looked up in astonishment. Where did you go after that? We lived in the further town where Jackson and Mary come from. I studied. I left for a while, but then came back with my young family and became a lighthouse keeper here. Been attending this church, first with family, then on my own ever since. How about Peter? Oh, yes. He comes sometime. I'm afraid he just comes to support me. He's not ready yet. Ready for what? Geist was puzzled. To fully accept God's path laid out for him. Can anyone really be ready to face the suffering of this world? Smith turned to look at him. Yes, that's what I mean. Smith shook his head. No one wants to suffer, but it's inevitable. What is important is how we respond to it. Our response determines if we're accepting God's path. What response is that? To love God, no matter what. Geist hung his head. It seemed like he was in Peter's boat, not ready yet. Maybe if he got his memory back, then he could see the world more clearly. Smith motioned towards the door. Let's go. I must get some sleep before the night shifts still. Thank you for showing me this church, Smith. Chapter 7 The Cold More time flew by on its eternal wings. 
at a speed not understood by mortals. Mr. Geist remembered more, mostly from his childhood. He also remembered other bits and pieces. These were mostly memories of pain and suffering. It was hard for Smith and Peter to guess what this man's past was. They just continued with the work, which got much harder with the brutal winter arriving. First snow fell and covered the area in a thin white blanket. Peter sat by the window. Mary was supposed to visit again today. In the recent times, he, he had been able to speak to her more, and he believed that she viewed him as a good friend. But just a friend, nothing more. What else could he really expect? It was better this way. He could dream, imagine, but just having her come by from time to time was enough. He sat and wondered if the snow would be a deterrent. But then to his joy, they came into view, riding horses. Strong horses were the best way of getting through the terrain, so that is what the locals used. Peter got to the door in his warm jacket and went out to help Mary with the produce amid the snow, which was beginning to fall more thickly. Smith, who wasn't resting yet, had just finished making coffee, followed him out as well. Peter, I think a storm is brewing. They might have to stay. All right. Peter handed Mary down from her horse. He removed the basket of produce and dairy products hanging on each side of the saddle. Jackson embraced his old friend Smith and handed him a newspaper. Storm is brewing. You should stay, Smith told him. No, no. Opposite. We go right away. No minute to waste. It's dangerous. Jackson shook his head firmly. This storm might last four days. We will get back to our homes. Mary has her parents waiting. I don't want to leave my wife alone in the storm either. Smith nodded his head. All right, then. Thank you for bringing this to us. Peter's heart sank as he hugged Mary and said goodbyes. When he and Smith entered the house and closed the door, the old keeper set Peter down at the table and put his hand on the shoulder. Peter, you must stop torturing yourself. You know the reality. The younger man squeezed his eyes shut. The reality hurts. Geist was sitting by the window, sipping his coffee. He slowly turned to face them. Maybe that's why I can't remember yet. Smith smiled at him. At least you got good coffee, eh? It's a good substitute for sorrow. They left quietly for a moment, and Smith turned back to Peter, who seemed to loosen up a little bit. Listen, young man, one day you'll take over here and we'll have an apprentice. It's a great responsibility to keep people safe. Peter still looked glum. They're putting machines in some lighthouses now. You saw the last newspaper? What then for me? God will provide. You listen. Smith squeezed Peter's shoulder and stood up. I need to rest. Winter nights are rough up there. And so he did. Guy spent most of his days silently watching the snow fall upon the water and drinking more coffee. Peter had to work like a horse, clearing the snow and ice and spreading salt outside. By the end of his shift, he was exhausted. Winter was indeed rough, not just at night. 
As Gaius looked up the uh, looked, looked upon the cold waves gobbling up the delicate snowflakes, he began to remember details. Terrible details. Chapter eight Revelation Rufus lay curled up by the fireplace. There was no more snow. Yet it had yet it had stormed for four days. But then it settled, and the only bother was the howling of the wind and tremendous cold. This did not deter Smith from going to the church as usual. Armed with his cane and his old jacket, the keeper was out of the door. Even Rufus looked a bit shocked, as if to say, What are you thinking, human? Smith knew that the candles would not change themselves. The floor would not magically be swept, and the hymns would not be sung. More importantly, he would not feel the atmosphere. It was a place where people had prayed for so long before him. He had gathered so much of spiritual goodness within its old bones. It was too precious to be left alone. The little church was Smith's great companion. So the old keeper went. The punishing, freezing wind buffed the, the old man as he walked along the cliffs and his body was chilled to the bones, yet he went and made it all the way. There, after lighting candles, he sat with his hymn book and quietly sang. His soul was still and his eyes were filled with tears of gratitude. On this special day, he felt he had learned even more patience and kindness than ever before. Ran deep into his heart, which was beating slower every day. As he returned to the house, he saw guys sitting at a table with the most utterly broken expression. Why so grim, Mr. Geist? I remember everything. Geist held his head with both hands, elbows on the table. And, Smith prompted, I was an officer. Huh? So why so grim? You don't read much about the wars. I did terrible things, Smith. Unthinkable. Evil. Unthinkable. How was I even able to do such things? I don't understand it now. Guy squeezed his eyes shut. Those screams in my nightmares. They were screams of those I heard, not my screams. Smith slowly sat down across from him and looked geist in the eyes. Your past is not who you are at the present moment. Guys took a deep breath and let it out slowly. I am not so sure. Does not feel like that. It feels like that's exactly who I am. And now I truly see who I am. I feel horrible. More painful now than when I couldn't remember my name. He massaged his temples and shook his head sadly. There was silence and the guy slowly spoke again. His voice trembled. I even killed children. You understand? He began to sob and shake his head. Smith felt a bit helpless. He wasn't sure what to say. He's wearing did horrific things. 
How could someone move on, move on after realizing what he has done? Smith could only watch. He wanted to talk about God and how even the worst things may be forgiven if you embrace God and give yourself to Him, but he felt it wasn't the right time. Winter dragged on. Guy spent most of his days sitting in the corner with his head in his hands. Some days and nights he'd go out and sit on the cliffs. Smith tried to take him to the church again. Even Peter joined the effort. However, guys would have none of it. His despair was too great. Smith wondered how this man would be able to get through this period. Some memories were indeed better left forgotten. Chapter 9 The Spring Spring sun was the most beautiful and gracious of all, Smith thought. He knew it all too well, and it rejoiced his old heart to see it rise up above the water. He felt it deep down. And each year, tears of joy came down his cheeks as he remembered watching it with his wife. And he loved this memory despite the pain, for he had loved and been loved in his life. He cherished this great blessing and her love, set in the depth of his soul, illuminating him and giving him courage. And it was this spring that Peter finally confessed his feelings to Mary, and they both stood with the mighty ocean as a witness. Peter took a deep breath and said to Mary, I feel so different when you're around me. I feel joy and warmth. When you go away, I dream about you. But I can never be the man for you or for any woman. As Peter felt tears in his eyes, Mary hugged him tightly. I feel the same about you, Peter. She tilted her head to look him in the eyes and then they kissed. Once separated again, Peter couldn't help but feel a mix of happiness and despair. Mary, I cannot love a woman. Something is wrong with me. He shook his head and as he did, she put her hands on his face and looked deep into his eyes. She realized what he was saying. God has done much greater miracles. I will have faith. Will you? For the first time in his life, Peter felt divine warmth come over him. Somehow he was sure that he could trust God even if the miracle healing never came. And so he told this to Mary. Lady brought his amazing news to Smith and together they went to the church to pray. Smith's heart was calmer than ever. Perhaps when he was gone he thought there would be a loving family here once again. A wonderful family that would love the lighthouse and take care of the church. The little plants and flowers around the church were starting to come alive again. Spring was bringing rejuvenation, reincarnation, new life. It was like a cleansing, and it made Smith think about Christ washing away men's sins. As he sat on the pew at the church, looking upon the cross, a realization came upon Smith. Peter, have you ever thought what it means to take upon all the sins in existence? We humans can barely handle the thoughts of few sins of our own. Only God can comprehend such pain, to take on such suffering. For us, for fools like us, was not 
the physical humiliation, not the thorns which pierce his head, not the whips that tore up his body, not the walk with the cross, not the nails in his wonderful hands and blessed feet. Those were terrible. Yet, there was nothing compared to the pain and the chaos of feeling everyone's sins upon him. I cannot even begin to comprehend it, knowing how weak I am, how my own personal sins and sorrows are almost too much to bear. They both sat in silence after that. Peter was pondering what he had just heard, finding that he agreed with the old man. His knowledge of the Bible was limited, yet he understood Smith with his heart, for he now had hope with him. Before leaving, Smith took up a hymn book one more time. This one I love very much. And he sang with his low, tired voice along him. This brought Peter's spirit even higher as he was absorbed in the song. He did not care that Smith struggled and that his voice failed often. He felt the genuine love in it, and that was more than enough. Walking back, Smith and Peter were discussing some of their older funny memories together. Peter, do you remember when we were painting the lighthouse and you were hanging on the rope, and that crazy seagull began to get close to you? How could I forget? I still don't know what was wrong with him. I remember the fall, too. My back hurt for weeks. <laughs> Smith chuckled. It was a miracle you didn't injure it worse. You fell into the... Yes, yes. Don't remind me at loud what I fell into. They both laughed. Peter said teasingly, I remember one about you, old man. Oh, yes? When you thought you could have a goat for milk? Remember, Jackson warned you? Smith threw back his head and left. <laughs> oh, that goat almost pushed me off the cliff. It was a bad goat. I'm sure that's why, not because you were clueless about how to take care of it. Peter said, barely able to contain his laughter. <laughs> oh. Suddenly, Smith's smile was gone and he saw guys standing at the edge of a cliff far away by the house. They both stopped and their expression became rather sad. I reckon he cannot find any joyful memories, Smith. The older man shook his head sadly. It's not that he cannot find the joyful ones. It's that the terrible ones have taken over his mind. He cannot allow, allow himself to smile, to laugh, to feel good. He's absorbed in self-punishment. Will God help him if he asks? Peter truly wanted to know. If he genuinely asks, I believe so. But perhaps the help won't be what we humans imagine to be proper help. God's mind is not our mind. We cannot comprehend God in that way. I feel bad, guys, for guys, despite all the things he has done. Do you? I pray for him. I do not feel bad, for that is the path he had chosen. Surely he had other options to follow the right path laid out for him. I pray he endures. They trudged on. Later on, Smith was still awake to Peter's surprise. He sat together at a table. Smith brewed some mint tea and cut some lemon to go with it. 
As they sat down, they could see the sun beginning to set and Guy still standing on the cliffs. Why aren't you resting? Peter asked as he sipped his tea. Smith smiled slightly. Today, somehow, I feel more energetic than I have felt in years. Perhaps it's the sharing of my love for God with you that gave me this kick. I hope I don't pay for it later. You better brew some black tea, too. You'll need it all right, Peter replied. That I will do, especially with those wonderful juicy lemons. Bless Mary's soul. She brought more things than usual because of you, of course. Do you wish to propose to her soon? When I have the courage at the right time, don't wait for the healing to happen first. Trust, have faith. When you feel it's right, don't make it depend on any conditions. Allow your heart to speak. Peter felt his heart swell with gratitude for his mentor. Thank you, Smith. You've been my lighthouse more than you'll ever realize. Smith quietly smiled and lowered his head and took a sip of the hot tea. He gave all credit for good things to God, but he didn't want to ruin the moment of joyful gratitude that Peter had by making too many comments about it. You hear the birds? So different in springtime. They are joyful, Smith mused. They know many things better than we do. Do you think they have more freedom? More trust? Smith paused to think. I think... All creatures have their confinements. We just don't know what they are, how they feel. It's impossible. What did the seagull who attacked me feel? Hmm? Smith nearly snorted his teeth. <laughs> You'll never let that go. Maybe he thought you were too handsome. He was a girl, I bet. Peter almost spilled his own tea laughing. Luckily, he had drunk enough already to avoid that. Rufus slowly approached the table, put his chin right on top of it, staring at them with begging eyes. Give him something, Peter. Look at those eyes. While in the kitchen, would you go ahead and brew the black tea also, as you suggest? I will need it. Smith began to scratch Rufus behind the ear, the dog's favorite spot. Rufus tilted his head and looked very relaxed. This changed the moment. He heard Peter open up a small jar in which they kept some dry meat and bones. Almost like a horse, he instantly galloped into the kitchen and sat before Peter. Peter laughed, threw him a bone. Rufus greedily grabbed it and ran with it towards the fireplace. As they sat back down on the table, Smith began to drink the freshly made black tea. Peter suddenly stood, almost knocking over the table. His eyes were huge and his mouth was wide open in shock. He jumped! He jumped! Smith slammed the cup down on the table and they both ran outside. They stood on the cliff looking down. The sun hadn't fully set. However, all they could see below were black waves washing over the large, sharp, dark rocks. They stood for a while scanning with their eyes, but it was pointless. Mr. Geist was gone. Into the depth of the ocean he went, just as his mind could not handle the depth of his despair. The keepers walked back into the house as if with bricks tied around their feet. They sank into the couch and for a very long time watched the fireplace in silence. Then Peter finally spoke. 
You lost a lot, Smith, yet you live on. Smith took a moment to reply. Sometimes what you have done is harder to accept than what you have lost. The end. Thank you for listening and God bless you. Do not allow your despair, sadness, or depression ruin you. Trust in God and He will help you through the hardest times as it happened for Smith and Peter in this story. Blessings. Thank you.